Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in the day that the Lord made. I will rejoice and be glad. I was glad when they said to me, let's be the church. We are the church, the pillar ground of truth. I want to, uh, before we go into the media, give a prophetic outline on some things that have been placed on my heart about that we as the body of Christ do to advance and establish a solid foundation for successful uh, 2015. If you know every year, I give in the closing message for the various programs that we've handled here. This year we've had a lot of productive uh, systematic teachings in addition to programming that has been stellar. And so tonight we're going to continue that with a new series that we're going to go all the way into the meeting with. And just just as a, a brief reminder, plug in, we're on tonight from 11.30 to 12 p.m. Tomorrow the same, 11.30 to 12 p.m. But on Thursday, we have our uh, regular programming from 6.30 to 7 o'clock. And then on uh, Sunday, we will relaunch our Sunday morning to work in the work with our new host, Reverend Delano Morris Reed. So I think you're going to be very blessed. You're going to get a chance to get a lot of teaching this year. We're also going to have a ministry Monday night um, that's going to be held on the second or Monday of 2015 for ministry participants. So please join us. Thank you for joining us. Today also marks my 25th year of preaching. On January 15th, uh, it will be my 20th year of ordination. Uh, my first ordination was January 15th. I did five sermons. It was December 30th, 1930. All right, so I thank you for listening to the broadcast that you pray and get right into the Father, it's a delight and honor. We thank you for giving this opportunity. It is my desire to serve you more faithfully, to know you more intimately. For that, I pray for I thank you, Lord, for your word, for the authority of your word gives me confidence to make this boldly known mystery of the gospel of the Lord. I remain that depends on the Holy Spirit as dedicated and back to clear articulation of speech and innovation of God as I make manifold confidence for God. Holy Spirit, I say, happy way. Do what only you can do. Anoint people's fears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church and Father, and see that shall be accomplished and revealed. To be glorified, for it is in the name of Jesus that we be praised and give you In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. I'll start with the introductory passage. It's a lovely passage, Mark the ninth chapter. I will begin reading in verse 14 to 29. And after this, you can read it. Um, we'll go into another level of study and then conclude in the commentary of this passage. And it reasoned that he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. And the scribes questioned with them, and straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What questions do you put them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whosoever he take, whosoever and wheresoever he taketh him, 
he turned him, gash to gnashing with his teeth, and pinned away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be? How long shall I suffer? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto me. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and, and he fell upon the ground and followed him. And he asked his father, How long is this if it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, passion on them and help them. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying, Charge thee, come out of him, and enter him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him. And rich him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, and so much that many dead. He is dead. But Jesus took him by the head and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing. Theory, a trilogy, under the subject, Lord, I believe, help thine by unbelief. Lord, I believe, help thou find unbelief. And I want to subtitle this lesson, Acknowledging the Firm Certain Foundations that the Close Because of the pathetic impression and declaration that has been foretold for the company. The much prayer deliberation, much things that have transpired. We, by the Spirit of God, have been alerted to a high demonstrative field for that It's impressed upon me about the Holy Spirit, words that think clearly in times of prayer, that this will be as in the days where God's movements will be as him, him, he himself, wanting signs and wonders, that cannot be denied. So I am anticipating sovereign things of 
whether we like it or not. And with that seriousness pertaining to God's action in his conduct, in his conviction, I've been provoked a challenge of being more alert, action, speaking to love. I want to challenge you in this lesson to really review some things that took place last year or this current year. And tomorrow, as we bring into the beauty of medicine and other study of the word, I want to challenge you this year to step up your spirituality. Team, the body of Christ going to experience spiritual dignity. And it's generally what I would do is go to uh, the path to which God gave me as far as I was able want give you that exact figure that I've already demonstrated to churches called being gifted in such a topic. And anyone that writes on give you that particular method which gives that declaration in which God shares something that they pray to seeking the Lord, he specifically told me to start with the religion. His closing message as a launching pad to a new wave of impact. And in this particular wave of dialogue going forth in the future on this program, he told me to come with a fresh thing of scripture, a fresh thing of approaching to the things of God, meaning that. I'm not to refute the fundamentals of the past. We have access that it deserves to make it on that path. But I'm to give material business specifically stipulated by the Spirit of God. And that being said, he has provoked me to engage certain topics from different angles than I've done in the past. Um, for that, I am grateful. But I can tell you out of all of the Almost nine years now, I've on the radio broadcast. Twenty-five years, I have never said such a. Okay, I'm going to uh, change the mic so that way you can hear me better. It's... All right, and I'm going to get the signal for whether my reception is much better at this point. All right, so now we're going to go turbo speed through this lesson, all right? So entitled this lesson, I Believe, Help Thy Mind Unbelief. And you can take that from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. This particular year is going to require seated evaluation of what took place last year. And the Lord reminded me that there are some things that we should have learned last year. And these are some of the things that we should have learned practically and uh, prophetically, we should have learned that life plans must be planned. We should have learned that life plans must be planned. We should have learned from previous life lessons. We should have lived a purpose-driven life. We should have listened from deep within as to heart matters over here now. And we should have let go of toxic habits. 
and then we should have leveled everything with balance in life. And then we also should have located the next step. Those are things that we should have done practically. We should have life, we should have learned that life plans must be life they must be planned. We should have learned lessons of life. We should have lived a purpose driven life. We should have listened from a deep seated place in the heart overhead matters. And we should have let ta- toxic habits go. And we should have leveled everything with balance in life. And we should have located the next step. As time progresses, God is expanding and expecting more of us. And that's what I keep hearing. The expectation is higher on both sides. We are expecting more of God now than we ever have before. And he's expecting more of us than we've had before, from, um, than we have um, been expected of before because we know more. And then powerfully and uh, prophetically, we should have learned to let our words be used. We should have looked to the hills from which comes our help. We should have let every man be a liar. And we should have let not um, lean not to our own understanding, but all our ways acknowledge it. And we should have listened to the still small voice and let it be big in our hearts. We should have let not our heart be troubled. And we should have lived by faith and not by sight. Those are 14 things that we should have done practically and prophetically in 2014. And if you haven't, I want you to go back over when you download this teaching and listen to those things and ask yourself, what did you do or what didn't you do to not see those qualities bring about the change that you saw? In addition to that, the Lord has placed on me that we, as the body of Christ, must develop a game-changing strategy. And in order to do this, we're going to, we're going to suggest three strategies this year for 2015. And I'm going to get right into this, and I want to quickly move to Mark chapter 9. But number one, when I say a game-changing strategy, I want you to begin with a strategy of aggressive consecration. To begin with a, a strategy of aggressive consecration. And, of course, you know, consecration is setting aside uh, sacrificially time and space for God to expand your state of spiritual growth and development. Okay, so when I say that, I want you to, number one, give God an idea of how serious you are to advance. Show him in your, um, in the state that you are in the strength of your stride. This year I want you to God an idea of how serious you are to advance. Now, these are suggestions. You don't have to do them. I'm just telling you from a state of <laughs> and a place of prayer how to aggressively engage the presence of God for differences in this year, a game-changing strategy. And the first one is to begin with an aggressive consecration. In that second point, I want you to grow in depth in areas of spiritual development and your prayer life. And then thirdly, I want you to go for a holistic detox, a holistic detox. The Bible tells us, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. 
a holistic detox, spiritually, physically, and bodily, increase intentional uh, direction and directives from the Holy Spirit as to your spiritual, mental, and physical health this year. Amen? Beginning with an aggressive consecration. So aggressive consecration is not only in-depth in spiritual development and prayer life, but it also means evaluating through a holistic detox, spiritually, physically, and bodily, uh, increasing intention, intentional development on spiritual, mental, and physical health. Okay, so that's one. We're going to begin uh, aggressive with an aggressive strategy of consecration. Number two, we're going to be courageous about creating a quality private life. That's the second strategy, a, a quality private life. God wants to be involved in your secret affairs. And when I say that, I mean prioritize personal management and give clear step-by-step goals and, and outlooks and, uh, and outlines on your life this year. Learn the value of the calendar, okay? Prioritize personal management. Secondly, I want you to put a priority on mastering your personal development, socially, spiritually, academically, professionally, financially. Socially, spiritually, academically, professionally, and financially. Put a priority on mastering your personal development. And then thirdly, I want you to provoke yourself to quality playtime. Three vacations a year, two escapes, date nights, family nights, depending on which context of life you're in. Amen. And then thirdly, the third strategy is to become a better communicator. Become a better communicator. Evaluate your lingo, your learning process, your, your, your language process, the power of your profession. When I say that I'm telling you to, when I'm telling you to evaluate, I'm telling you to ask yourself three questions. What are the weight of your words? What wisdom are you transmitting to your wording? Will it spark a revolution of wealth? And when I say wealth, I'm not only talking about quantitatively through money, but I'm talking about through quality. Becoming a better communicator begins with evaluating your lingo process, your language. And then number two, you need to establish new norms. Level up on your learning. Locate um, locate your authoritative voice. And the only way you can develop authority is to develop ability that's superior to the norm in that particular area, which means you have to do due diligence and you have to discipline yourself and drive yourself to learning more than the average. Establishing your authoritative voice. Then learn the value of can language. What I mean is, let your words be seasoned with salt that they might minister grace to the hearer, knowing how to speak in a given time and situation. And then after that, thirdly, you want to exercise superior emotional control. Exercise superior emotional control. Amen? Because God wants you to be superior in life. 
repent and that we got the result that the natural man cannot obtain the things of God, neither does he know that they're spiritually discerned. So this year, particularly in 2015, there are spiritual stipulations that we must, as believers, uh, develop and evolve into. Number one is we need to expand the sensitivity of thinking and submitting to the Holy Spirit. There's no easier way to say it than to submit and to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Stay and think. Expand your sensitivity. Number two, engage into a deeper realm of prayer and fasting. Amen. And then number three, explore depth in spiritual study habits. Fourthly, experience kingdom growth through serving in different capacities. If you served in the ministry for more than three years, change up. Find another level of service, especially those of you who may be pastors, bishops, apostles, and leaders. Go serve at another church on a on an off time of your worship experience. Learn how to be in dual roles. Don't just limit to yourself behind the sacred desk. Learn how to serve in another capacity. What you make happen for another man, God makes happen for you. You're not above serving. Sink in with ministry. Serve as the examples, and that's the specific word given for ministers this year. Um, explore depth and um, experience growth, um, kingdom growth through serving in different ministry capacities, and then encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen? Now, those things are practically, but they're objectives that I think anyone can apply to their lives and prayerfully to the stipulations of the Holy Spirit, if they apply those things and evaluate those things with those seven practical questions and those seven prophetic questions or points in life for last year, when they go about achieving 2015, they will simply succeed. The lesson today is help for unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. The body of Christ is being challenged today to acknowledge challenges, to avoid the tendency to answer the canned Christian jargons that keep everything aloof and a myth. We can pray a myth, we can profess a myth. We can personify uh, uh, ambitions over reality. And what this lesson challenges us to do is to answer challenges. Whenever God reaffirms, brings to light, you revisiting the concepts of beliefs, he's taking you to the very fine fabrics of your faith. Through faith we understand that the world was framed by the words of God. And without faith it is impossible to please God. Anyone that comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to acknowledge the challenge. Anybody that God uses in Scripture answer to challenges. It is challenges that develop courageousness. It is challenges that affirms our faith. 
It is challenges that make us competent as Christians. And in the workings of those challenges, we learn to believe. But in order for God to really enhance and expand our belief, we have to acknowledge the challenge. I love this particular challenge, uh, this particular passage in the scripture because it's after the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus manifests himself in a greater dimension to his disciples and they were neglecting prayer at that particular time. And they missed out on an opportunity. I don't want to get ahead in my lesson. But after the Mount of Transfiguration, he goes and there's a crowd. And there we find the disciples have gotten into a dilemma with a deaf and dumb spirit that is uncooperative, that is not going with the, the routine regimens of casting out devils in, in his name. See, they had cast out demons before just in the name of Jesus. But where they were at at this particular point in ministry and Jesus drawing the close to his earthly ministry, there needed to be more depth. What belief does in the life of a believer, what it does is it verifies our system of faith. Everything vital to experiencing fullness in life is predicated on what's awakened by our faith, for without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone that comes to God must believe. If thou confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. These are challenges that we have in life. But many of us fail to define what it means to believe. And ultimately, if we reflect on what belief is in Scripture and translate it to how we accept beliefs today, we will find various contrasts to the concepts of belief as we see in light of Scripture. And if the scripture is not final authority over your focus when it pertains to faith and your faith is flawed. Beliefs are what we are awakened to understand and comprehend as strong as truth that are undeniable either by exposure, experience, or enlightenment. The potential of establishing strong belief forces Aspects of life, the force of finding faith, the force of finding foundation, and the force of finding fortitude and character. When we talk about finding faith, we're talking about finding out what, what and why God wants to deal with us personally. Finding out who God really is and finding out what Christianity is all about. When we talk about force of finding foundations, we're talking about foundations of, of, of life values and lessons, foundations of relationship development, foundations of resolves that should be intuition. 
We talk about finding uh, uh, forces of finding fortitude. We're talking about the fortitude of life planning and learning things and loving others, which requires a, a great fortitude of strength and character. And those things should be so embedded in us that they come out in our convictions, in our conversion, and in our conversation, which is manner of life in Christ. And if Christ is just kept in the category of Jesus' last name, then the quality of the Christian experience will not be translated to you. I've said this several times in past and previous teachings that choirs that believers experience and stolen things to to have confidence in their God. That if things are not kept in confidence, such as experiencing the supernatural, enlightenment of the mind, encouragement of heart, and evidence for faith and energy beyond the norm, those, those evidences, if they're not intact, then everything just remains theoretical. But why is that? Because they really don't believe. Anyone that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Mark chapter 9, I believe, is a powerful passage because it enlightens us to five dynamics in developing our belief system. Some of us just need to learn to acknowledge the challenge. Lord, I believe that there are some areas in my life that I need help. Help me in my unbelief. And for people that really claim Christianity in their lives and accept the things of God, it is hard for us to acknowledge in life that there are some things we have challenges with really believing. But in the example of this old covenant passage and this encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, we see faith to raise people out of dead situations based on pure honesty and a request to ask God to help in mind unbelief. And perhaps if we as Christians in this day learn how to call for help and acknowledge the challenges that we're facing to believe, we can experience a revolution in the spirit that will translate us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. See, in order for the life of God to be full in your life, you have to have love for the truth. And you have to love not the world. You have to love others. And you have to look for righteousness and love by deeds. And this is what we see expressed in the life of Jesus with his encounter with this father and this son and with his dialogue with the disciples. The first uh, 19 verses, we see the disciples' dilemma. They missed opportunities for not taking advantage of divine moments on the Mount of Transfiguration. They made no attempts to connect to divine moments with prophetic utterances that were already declared that they were already real because they had walked with Jesus for two and a half years by this point. They mistaken association with anointing and ambition. And they were overconfident and ambiguous about things 
that they should have atoned for. You got to be careful in life that you're not so ambitious that you miss God and miss his power. Two vital lessons that we must learn from these mess-ups. Number one is miss not the moments of divine encounters. Don't minimize the importance of access to the supernatural. Don't distort moments in God's presence with personal ambitions. And don't miss the moment of making mountains out of molehills. Take advantage of the moment. We also must mistake not the power uh, of being anointed because the anointing enables ability. The anointing empowers demonstration. The anointing is only embedded in God's sovereignty and not our own success. It is not about us. The second point that we can find in this teaching is that there was distortions in this faithless generation. If this this awakens another dialogue. This does not only deal with just the disciples and their distrust and Jesus' distrust in their ability, but the outlook on the whole sense of the generation of that day, or faithless generation. Three points to consider about his shock rebuke in verse 19 was their inability to overcome worldly evil, um, which was accredited to them to being faithless. And when we say faithless, we're talking about not sinking with the supernatural, no spiritual or scriptural awareness, and no sensitivity to And if you find yourself as a believer, you're still not tapping into the sensitivity and the scriptural acuteness and awareness and the sinking with the supernatural. You know, I ask yourself, have you asked for help? Have you acknowledged the challenge? Right? Now, their timeline with Christ provoked an expectation for more than Christ. That's my second point in these of their faithlessness generation. See, Jesus at this point in their walk with him expected more. He expected them to deal with the devils of their faith. He expected their faith to be stronger, and he expected them to handle their issues without him. And that's why he rebuked them sharply. When you go to examine the scripture, you've got to ask yourself, now, if they, if they weren't expected, why would Jesus be so harsh about it? Because they had the ability and the potential, and obviously they demonstrated it so that he could have confidence in them, the ability to do because he would not rebuke them if they could not do it. He would have had compassion on them and said, Father, forgive them, for they knew, but they knew what they did not do. I'm reminded of the passage where he says, could you not pray with me for an, an hour? You're falling asleep and you're missing out on experiences and you're not mastering moments because you're not spiritual. Lord, I believe you help me in my unbelief. And my challenge to you as believers who listen to Christian jargon, who attend church on a regular basis, do you really believe? In this particular scripture, the third point that that reveals is the dissolving of this dilemma through a divine dialogue about belief. 
Could you imagine Jesus coming to this man who is not a disciple, who has not walked with him, coming to him, giving him a dilemma, dissolver, called faith? If thou can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. The only other people that he challenged their beliefs were those that were walking and existing with him because they knew that the kingdom of God was at hand. So this man had somewhat of of an awareness and a contact with God that even amongst him being around the scribes and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he could tap into the belief system that made all things possible. This was not only the awakening of, of, of him being dependent upon Jesus to work for him, but him knowing that his belief could change his reality. The revealing of possibilities, the real talk factor, it is what it is. He didn't lie and act like he didn't believe and he did that. He didn't lie and try to make it seem like there was not an issue about his belief. He said, I do believe. There's a certain state of belief that I'm at. And Lord, help me in the area that I don't believe. Mm. Or if the church would get like that today, could you imagine what tomorrow would be? We're dealing with the dilemmas of of dissolving dilemmas through divine uh, encounters with Jesus. There should be a revealing of possibilities, real talk factors, and a resolve to restore. Jesus not only rebuked the disciples for not being prepared, but he rebuked the distortions in reality. He dealt harshly with the spirit and commanded it not to return. If you're going to do the work of ministry, you're going to have to roughly engage realities with the revealing of possibilities that only God can solve the dissolving of this dilemma happened. Of course, the, the young man falls dead, and then Jesus just raises him up. And he walks free, and his father and him believe. But the disciples still have to be addressed. And the fourth thing is the provoking of the disciples was still at hand. They, Jesus said, get back and focus. They had us upset by this point of experience in this encounter to go to God correct. But they didn't acknowledge the need to know more. And that was the problem. But by this point, they knew to come to Jesus and to say, Jesus, what must I do? Hallelujah. And then they understood that there's something about this kind of factor. This kind comes out through fasting and prayer. So I want to talk today about my final point, the power of prayer. Anytime you ever go to evaluate your belief, you must start with how you pray. Prayer is communication with God. And prayer 
is set to reveal things in your life. Prayer becomes a reality of your relationship with God. Prayer is based on your knowledge about how to apply God's word to your life practically. And prayer belongs to God, not the devil, so we never bind and loose demonic things. We deal with demonic issues with authority. Notice he didn't pray to God. He commanded the spirit to come out and not to return. And he lifted the boy up out of his situation. He did not pray. That didn't require prayer. He was authorized. But we pray to communicate with God to learn more about God practically. And then we pray because it brings brilliance to our brain. And submitting to the spirit awakens adventures and qualities of life that advances itself through fasting. Prayer challenges us to change our language to faith, to change our time feelings for faith and to uh, change and challenge our creative focus in faith. See, when you pray, you not only need prayer to awaken you spiritually but practically, and it takes time to, to really establish a lifestyle of prayer. And that's why fasting, fasting separates your focus to pray. Denying something else to place in place of it, prayer. Because prayer requires a life that should be patterned. And it should be passionate to know insights behind the scriptures and behind the sovereignty of God. And your prayer life should be provoked by the Holy Spirit. I'm out of time, but I'm not out of the content. But I believe. But if you heard me on Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29, you will acknowledge the challenges in your life and say, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Let's start off 2015 acknowledging challenges. Let's pray. Father, there are many answers that we still are looking for. But God, stirring in our souls is an awareness to know that if we knock, the door will be open. If we seek, we'll find. But, Lord, we come asking, knowing that you hear us and that you will answer us. God, help us acknowledge the challenges we face to believe. I can't really exist in faith without being affirmed in what I believe. Show me, Lord, to acknowledge what I need to know about how and why. I should believe. I see a lot of 